Amen. And they just tell me to get to win a uh, security guard at, uh, at a restaurant. And so, uh, yeah, we're hopefully we can get connected, reconnected with him and, and maybe get some information to him and come. But he uh, got saved. If, we'd, if we never found him again, he still got saved. See him in heaven. Amen. Yes, sir. And it's pretty close by school, right? Oh, great. Okay. Super. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Right. Okay. That's Tuesday morning. He's going to have the meeting Tuesday morning. Okay. Super. That'd be interesting. I'm Okay. Anybody else? Of course, we're continuing to pray for the body family here and, and uh, days ahead for them. Yes, sir. Amen. Coming back from Southern Mississippi, right? Hattiesburg. All right. Well, let's have a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, thank you for your, your love, your goodness, your grace to us, your mercy. Lord, I pray, uh, thinking first of all, uh, Ava, as she travels, Lord, I pray that you be with, uh, with them and Gracie as they travel up uh, from down in Hattiesburg, that you keep them safe and uh, be with them through all that they are going through, through the, again, the home going of, of this loved one and, uh, Father, I pray that you just give them strength and grace. And then, Lord, uh, of course, uh, the body family is here. Lord, we've been praying for them. Continue to pray for them. Father, I pray you give them grace and strength through this, this time. And, and, Lord, you said your grace is sufficient, and, and it is sufficient. It's, it's more than sufficient, truly. And, and uh, it's, a, it's incredible grace that you, you give at the time of need. And so, Lord, it's very needy at this time. And then, and then Father, I, w- I want to... It wasn't brought up here, but just moments ago, you know, I, I thank you for uh, renting out uh, the house of the Rogers, that their house is rented out and that, that that's taking place. And, Lord, what a burden this can be lifted uh, to know that, that, that that's happening. And then this brother that's traveling, and he needs travel mercies and grace there. And then this new job, that, that uh, you know, the potential of it. Father, I pray that you'd work there, that... Uh, you just give clear direction, and, and you would open the door or shut the door if it's uh, whatever would be your will. And then, Lord, for Josh, as he looks at this, this job opportunity, Father, I pray that you uh, please, as this meeting takes place, that it would be something just perfectly in your will, something that would be wonderful for their future and for their uh, family and for their ability to serve you. And, uh, 
And Lord, I pray that you please bless them. And, and then Lord, uh, there's many other needs, I'm sure, unspoken needs and things that, that people have. And, and uh, Lord, there's a lot, of, a lot of things that the families have gone through here of late. We've seen just uh, a lot of uh, changes, even in the, the church and the church family over in just the last few months. But Lord, I pray that you be with each and every one. Lord, bless the other classes that are going on, the, the, the young ones that are across the way from the bus routes and, and, uh, and the foundations classes and, and uh, the, um, the other adult classes that we have here. Lord, I pray that you just be with each and every one and, and bless them, please. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And, of course, we're going to go to the book of Genesis, and uh, Genesis chapter 6 is where we're going to be taking a look this morning. Genesis chapter 6, we'll look at verse 5. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, and let me get my Bible to it here. All right. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. <clears throat> and the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And of course, we talked about Noah as an individual before. Now we're looking at the events. Uh, the, and Noah's, of course, a part of this event of the flood that we're going to be taking a look at. But uh, before we actually get to the, the flood, we're looking at the, uh, um, at the ark itself. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the, earth was, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of... <clears throat> gopher wood, rooms shalt thou pitch in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without, uh, without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and, it shall, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower and second and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant. <clears throat> thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy, thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of, the, of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to, give them, uh, to keep them alive with thee. Thou shalt, they shall be male and female 
of fowls after their kind and of cattle after their kind and of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten and thou shalt gather it to thee and it shall be food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. So did he. And so it... Uh, that's a, it's a lot, of, lot of scripture, a long passage there, but, but sort of have to read through it all as we're, we're looking at this thing of Noah and the, and the ark. And, and uh, you know, little children start to learn about Noah at the, at the ark and, and the ark and the, the pictures. And, and I heard a guy humorously say, you know, he's, you know that we, you know, we go to a nursery and, and uh, we bring our children and they think, you know, you put these beautiful little Noah and the ark and everything, and he says, you know, if the kids really knew what that symbolizes, I mean, everybody else died. You know, I mean, uh, you know, that's something very encouraging to this child. Here it is. Isn't it beautiful, honey? And if you really look in the water underneath this ark, you see all these dead bodies, all these people. And, uh, you know, you never think about it that way, but it really, really is. It's a, it's a time of great destruction. But first thing we're going to do, and now I'm going to do something really unique to, today. I'm actually teaching on this, and I really just, after going through working on to teach on it, I'm going to preach on it. So uh, those in my class here, this, you know, a few of you in the class here, you, it won't be exactly the same. You're going to get a little bit of a rehash uh, because I'm, I'm going to bring out some other things uh, at the sermon time. But uh, first, we can see an encouraging truth. And here's the first encouraging truth I think that you see through this incredible destruction that's going to take place, and that's this. Even if you're the only one in the world seeking God, you can still find grace in God's sight. That's an amazing thing. We're in an incredibly wicked world, but here's a great example to us. There's hope if you're the only one. There's hope if it's just your family that's serving God. Uh, and we've not got to that point in this old world, and that's where Noah and his family was. But here's the wonderful thing. God said, hey, even though the rest of the world is wicked, <clears throat> he said, even though all their thoughts and tends of their heart is wicked, it, it, all their actions are wicked. It just, he said, everything in its entire, all flesh is turned against me but you. And he found grace in the sight of God. So, I just say that's encouraging to me that, that you can still find grace in God's sight even if the rest of the world is, is just gone and gone crazy. And so, now, what does it take to find this grace in the sight of God? Now, uh, it's real, real simple, I think. God gives you a little bitty outline here. Number one, it says that Noah was a just man. That's a righteous, by definition, it's righteous in conduct and character but also justified by faith. And so it's a man who has is, is, is put his faith in Christ and, 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 and uh, a man who's put his faith in God Almighty and Jehovah God, and he's put his faith in, in God. And, but that faith is a life-changing faith. Uh, this definition, when we look at it, what it really means is, is it's not just I got saved, but I'm going to live different. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's where uh, Noah, uh, many of the people, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that everybody in the rest of the world, because they were judged physically, that they were all, uh, you know, in, in the judgment that's going to come into the world when the world ends again by fire. Uh, 
you know, of course, well, there's a lot of things I'm about to say, say but, you know, we'll, there, there are a lot of, at that time, there could have been other people that, so to speak, if we could use the terminology saved at that time, but they weren't righteous. Uh, they weren't living for God. And, and the reason God spared Noah from this physical judgment was the, uh, was the fact that he was righteous toward him. In a sense, he was just man, righteous in conduct and character. Not perfect man, righteous in conduct and character, uh, and also justified by faith. But then the next word it says about him, uh, which would help us to learn if we were just, if you're saved today, that's a great starting point. Number two, that we let that salvation actually change us and, uh, and affect us. And, uh, you know, it, which maybe some of you are like me, it always kind of boggles my mind how the Holy Spirit whipped the fire out of me after I got saved and how it seems so many people today get saved, even come to church, but seems to be no transformation of life. Uh, and I'm not a judge. Cause I never, I never look and say, I don't think they're saved. I, I'll never do that. It just puzzles me because it just, the Holy Spirit just beat the fire out of me when I got saved. And here's, here's what's so unique. I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. But man, it just, things in my life began to, to change. Not immediately, I think it did sort of immediately, but I mean, uh, it's not like I jumped up and everything about me changed. And I've heard some guys say that, man, the moment I got saved, I gave up everything. You know, well, I didn't, okay? It took me a while, but God was working on me consistently uh, through that time. And there were changes made. And so I, I get a little bit puzzled why there's not, more of a hearing, listening. Let him that had the ears to hear, let him hear what the spirits say. I, I'm, I'm, I know the spirit of God speaks to everybody. You know, I wasn't, uh, you know, extreme or some abnormal person as far as God said. I think I'll speak to you. No, I think He speaks to everybody. The issue is not speaking. The issue is listening. How are you doing? Good to have y'all. I um, and so. We, uh, the, so the first thing is a just man. Secondly, he's a perfect man. Now, perfect here means whole, complete, mature, balanced, uh, upright. He is, he is a man that, that, again, he's in conduct and character. He's a balanced man. He's a man that knows, I believe Noah was a man that knew how to laugh, and he was a man that knew how to be serious. He was a man that knew how to play, and he was a man that knew how to work. He was a man that, that uh, uh, taught his children about math and science, and he also taught his, his children uh, the Word of God. I mean, he was a balanced man. He was a mature man. He, he understood, uh, and again, that's one of the things that seems to be, we, we kind of call it common sense, I think, but it's very uncommon, but just people of balance, just be balanced, balanced in how we treat each other, balanced in how we... We, uh, we look at things and, and discern things. And so he was a perfect man, whole, complete, mature man. And then the, the final thing that he found grace in the sight of God, it says that final thing is he walked with God. It said that Noah was a just man. He was a perfect man, but he walked with God. And, and I believe that, that that just simply means he had a personal relationship with God. He walked with God he talked with God. 
he spent time with the Lord, and the Lord said, I, I've, and can I tell you, that's why he lived out the life of a just man. That's why he became a balanced, perfect man, because he spent time with God. He walked with God. He spent time in the truth. You know, if you spend time in the Word of God, it's, a, it's amazing how much wisdom and balance it'll give you in life. It's amazing how much it'll, it, it will balance you out in, the, in your actions. And you say, man, I don't know what to do in this situation. The Word of God will, will teach you. It'll help you. It'll guide you. The Spirit will show you what you're to do. And, and it, it, it's just that personal relationship. Now, a second wonderful truth in, in this, what we're talking about, to, again, is, is Noah, but we're talking about leading up to the ark of God, uh, that uh, Noah's ark that he built, that, that uh, used. And so a second wonderful truth is that if you are a type of man, you can, if you are that type of man, and this is what's so wonderful, they're in a very wicked world, matter of fact, so wicked that everybody else is wicked, but... If you are this type of man, just man, perfect man, or a man who walks with God, you can still find somebody to marry who believes like you. Because apparently he found a Mrs. Noah somewhere. And somehow he had an influence over her life. And somehow she had an influence over his life, and they influenced each other positively uh, for God. Not only can you, this is again, to me, an incredible truth. Not only can you find somebody that believes like you, in the, even in a wicked world, if you seek God, God will bring you across the path. And not only can you do that, but you can rear children to serve God in that world. Because that's what Noah did. He found Mrs. Noah, who believed like he did, what, where he did, uh, walked where he did, and, and was willing to, by faith, do what he uh, led them to do. But then he also, they reared children in a, an incredibly wicked world. Here's this one family that still served God. And I want to tell you, in this incredibly wicked world, you can still rear your family for God. Now, it's not as easy as it once was. When I grew up here in Memphis, you had three television channels. Okay, when I was growing up here, it was three channels, and, uh, you know, and most of the time, you didn't watch those three channels. The truth is, uh, we really, you know, had a black and white TV, uh, some probably about this big, and, and, when it first, and we just didn't watch it much. We were outside. We were, we were either working or we were playing outside. Uh, we just didn't spend much time in the TV. Uh, now you come all the way up here from you know the late 50s and early 60s all the way up to 2016, and you can't get away from some video system, some technology, some computer, some something in front of you all the time. And you've got to intentionally, you've got to just reach down and say, you know what, we're going to shut this stuff off for a while. We're going to turn it off for a while. You say, why is that so important? Because, listen, if the rest of the world is getting more and more wicked by the day and this is what they're doing, maybe we ought to do something different. 
And so the, the, the one thing that they're doing is, is it's all about video. It's all about technology. It's all about reading this and searching that and seeing that. And everything, sin is even at a fingertip in a moment. And depending on the speed of your internet, it, I mean, it can jump as fast as you want it to come to you. And sin, wickedness, and lies, and negativity, and it just bombards you. I was talking to somebody from our church, but... I, they would, had watched something, and, and, and they called me, and they said, man, tell me, do you believe this is really true? And I said, it doesn't matter if it's really true. You don't need to watch it because there's nothing you can do about it but pray. You're not going to go in and change it. It's, you know, about the government and about all this. And I think, look, there's only, what are you and I going to do? We're going to walk up and say, listen to me, we're going to change this. In the go- no, we're not going to do that. we got to go to the one who can. That's all I can do. So I don't need to fill my mind with all the if, ands, and buts, or you know what's going on here, and all the secret organizations, and all these things. What am I going to do about that? I'm going to do the same thing I was doing without listening to it. I know I'm in a corrupt world. I know i got to get to God. So don't fill your mind with that stuff. It just messes you up. And so, but the wonderful truth is somehow in this incredibly wicked world, Noah reared a family for God. He reared a family that served God. He reared a family that was really willing to step out in faith for God in an amazing, amazing way. And so, uh, God saw that all around this man was a world of wickedness where man was full of evil. What makes Noah amazing is that he did not become what the world was, and he wasn't just better than they, he was what God wanted him to be. And see, and again, here's where we are even in Christianity today, here's, uh, and it's the old, old illustration. And uh, Chris, could you come here for a second? It's a, it's a really old illustration, but this is what we've just given into in Christianity today. Here's, uh, I want you to stay right there. Now, you're a Christian. We're, you know, we're just playing like. Uh, all right, you're a Christian. And here's, and I'm the world. Now, I was taught this long, long time ago. The world doesn't stay where it is. The world's always digressing. Now, here's what happens, though, and this is what's really happening big time today. There was a time when I first came in and first got saved, there were all kinds of men that were screaming, don't move from there. Because if it's right to be there, it doesn't matter where the world goes. You stay with right. But here's what... Christianity has said today. Well, the world moved all the way over there, so you know what? We want people to feel comfortable coming to church, so let's get as much like the world as we can. Now, even in the last 10, 15 years when this has become prevalent, the world has run over here. And here's what they've done. Now, here's the problem. Now the Christian is worse than what the world used to be. And here's the whole thing. Well, we got to reach the world, so we've got to... 
Well, you keep following them to reach them, you're going to become them. Does it make sense? Okay, thanks. You did good. It would have been better typecasting if I made you the world, but uh, <laughs> not anyway. All right. Complete in the, in the Lord while, here, here's so amazing. He was complete in the Lord while in a world completely in darkness and desiring darkness. And that's what, you know, the terminology is perfect. He was complete in the Lord while he was surrounded by a world that was completely against God. And, and so that, that's encouraging to me that we can. But we've got to take a stand. And you say, man, they're going to think you're weird and different. Well, I'm weird and different, you know, I am. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to be that. And, I, and, and the more I stay where I was, the more different I'm going to become. When I was at, uh, at Memphis State, I was taking a, to a course that was called Deviant Behavior. I had to take that for criminal justice, and it was uh, a class, one, just one of the classes that you had to take. It's called Deviant Behavior. I did not know at the time because I was not a Christian at the time, but I didn't know that, that the teacher, what they were talking, what they said was this whole thing was they were teaching about parts of society that deviate from the norm. By that, they're saying, here's all of society, and they're saying it's wrong. It's deviant behavior if you don't act like them. If you deviate from the norm, if you're away from the norm. I didn't know that they were teaching this at the time. I didn't know who they were talking about. But much of my class was about independent fundamental Baptists. I didn't even know who they were, but they kept talking about these fundamentalist Christians and they deviate from the norms of society. And here's the term that they used in the 70s. They need to be eradicated before our society will be, uh, will be able to be all that it should be because you need to eliminate all those who deviate from the norm. Now, sadly, that course was taught, even in the 70s, it was taught by an avowed homosexual. And here I am, a lost man, and, and truthfully, at that point, you know, it's not half of 1% of the society of America is homosexual. They, he, in fact, is the deviant part of society. But instead, he's teaching that it's Christianity. So... Um, now, look at verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Here's the next thing that I think that I, I kind of learned from this, that this is not a corporate issue but an individual issue. You know, as I look at Noah and everybody's wicked out here and it's only their, their, the thoughts of their heart are only evil continually, Here's what God's saying to me. This is, it's, it's an individual issue. It's not, is, it, is everybody in the church serving me? It's, are you? It's not, is everybody else around you? It's, are you? I think it's a very, it's a very individual issue. First thought that comes from this text we just read uh, is 
this next event, how incredibly wicked must the world have been if, if we had uh, this hand of judgment at this time. I mean, how wicked this world Noah was, lived in, it's just amazing to me, the extreme wickedness that he must have lived in if God has stayed his hand of judgment on America today. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Look at how wicked America is. Look at how wicked this society is. Where we, we've, now we're, we've crossed over, I think, 60 uh, million children that have been butchered since 1973. More than that, before that, illegally, but from that point on, legally murdering children in the womb. 60 million. What a world we live in. What a society that we live in. Now, here's what's amazing. What was Noah living in? Because God brought judgment upon them, and he hasn't upon us. What incredible wickedness he must have lived in and his family lived in, yet he still served God. You know, I, I read, I don't know how many years it's been ago now, but I was reading an article, and it was going on in China, and it, and it was, I thought, man, it's got to be, judgment's got to come to China because they were talking about, you know, that uh, two different things. One was, you know, at that point they could have one child, and, and that, the, you know, if they had a second child, they were actually just, they were birthing them and then murdering them. Uh, they, you know, this article talked about that outside of one hospital, it was just a, like a stack of babies, you know, just a pile of it, like you'd pile up garbage or something, just a pile of babies. And, and, uh, and that, that they were performing at that time, it was the first time I'd ever heard of it, the partial birth abortion, where they actually birth a child and then insert in the, into the back of the, the, the skull and just, and Basically, at that point, they would suck out the brain. And so it, it, I thought, that's judgment's got to come upon that. How can it be such, so much wickedness in any society and God not bring judgment upon that? And now America, they're wanting the same thing and, and even in some cases doing the same thing now. Now, the second thought that I have is this amazing patience and grace and mercy of God with us today. God brought judgment into this wicked world in the anti, what's called the antediluvian world. He brought judgment. But he must, he's really exhibiting some incredible patience with us, grace and mercy. Third thought is, and this is what I think is for everybody, would I find grace in the sight of the Lord today? In this wicked world, would I find grace in the sight of the Lord today? Would you? And I said, uh, going to teach about the ark, and I'm just now finally getting to the ark, and i got about three or four minutes. But if you go to verse 14, verse 14, it says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. Now, I tried to search and look, and I'd love to tell you that there's some kind of, you know, amazing truth behind this term gopher wood, but 
the best that I can find out that that's the only time that term's ever used, gopher wood is ever used, and that there's really all kinds of speculation, but nobody seems to know what was this gopher wood, what does it really mean, and, and what type of wood was it. Uh, so I, I really couldn't. Now, I'll be honest with you, I believe eventually we may find out. I don't know if there'll be some some historical information that'll be unearthed someplace or something will come to light. But I think that the type of wood was very, very important. I, I, I just do. I just believe that God, everything he does, and he's about to picture, this ark is going to picture Christ. This is an Old Testament picture of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so the ark of the, the gopher wood, he, he made it. And then it says, what a... Wonderful picture, though, in this, this verse of the blood of Christ because he says you're going to take this gopher wood and then you're going to pitch it. You're going to cover it within and without. And, you know, that's, that's amazing. When the blood of Christ, when I'm saved, I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. The death, burial, resurrection of Christ, but the blood of Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And that shedding of blood covers me. What his was so wonderful, it covers me outwardly and inwardly. It covers me completely. All my sins, past, present, and future, are covered. And it's not only a covering, it's a sealing. It, it's it's going to seal out everything else. It's going to uh, purify, so to speak, and seal out everything else. But, you know, as I read this, I thought, God, you know what you're saying is, is my sin, the sin that I commit outwardly is cleansed. The sin that I commit inwardly is cleansed. And we sin both ways. We, we sin by physical acts and we sin by thoughts. And all of it is cleansed completely. Then you look at verse 15, and this is the fashion which I'll make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. And now, notice the dimensions of the ark. The breadth of it is one-sixth of the length, and the height of it is one-tenth of the height uh, of the, the length. I'm sorry. It's, it, the height of it is one-tenth of the, of the length of it. Now, this, I still say, the ark pictures Jesus Christ. And it was amazing to me. You may not uh, agree with this or like this, but, but, I, but it, it was really kind of neat for me when I saw this. Let me talk about it in the church service. I'm 72 inches, basically six foot tall. Christ died. And the ark pictures the sacrifice, the payment, the ark as the picture is the salvation, so to speak, of this, this antediluvian world to, to Noah, and they're brought into the ark. There's so many things we're not going to get into right now. We will in the, in the church service. But, but here, if I'm 72 inches, it'll take about 12, a little over 12. Or no, it takes 12 inches uh, to be the uh, one-sixth. And so if the length of the ark is 72, the size of a body. If the, uh, the width of the ark would be the width of the body. Now, I believe Jesus was probably a little bit more slender than me. But watch this. There's 12 inches. If I was very, you know, if I was slender like a man at that time of Jesus Christ, I was going to use maybe a, well, come here. Come here, John. How tall are you? 
5.7. Okay? Probably we're looking at about a little less than 12 for the width. Now, you're going to be about seven for him. It'll be about six and a half here. And if you could see it, turn it. I believe those dimensions were the dimension of a picture of the body of Christ. It, it, it's just, it's too close. It's too close to being just perfect dimensions, not for, you know, a perfect boat to float. It's, it's the dimensions of the body of Christ. And so, it just, it just to me is a really neat thing to, again, show the picture of Christ. It'd be a slender man, not like me. It didn't fit quite. <laughs> uh, so, but verse 16, and I'll be done. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a, in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, the lower second and third story shalt thou make it. And so many things here even in that verse. But first there's a window. A window, it says, in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. A cubit is, they believe, is from here to here. And they said normally about 18 inches. That's a pretty small window. A cubit. They said above. And then there's a door. That's what we're going to talk about today. In that, in that ark was one door because there was only one way in. There's no other way. Only one way into the ark. But why such a small window? And later, you know, it's going to talk about that Noah opened that window. So that window could be open and closed. But here's, you know, I, I believe we, in our hearts, our minds, my eyes, there are windows. They're very small. But they allow me to see all of creation. But watch this. I can close them to keep out the world. They're very small, so not much is going to come in. God didn't make them like John and opened all the time, so I had to take in all the world. No, a little small window that, that through it I could see all of creation. But it limits what's allowed. We don't want a big window letting everything in of the world. We want it limited. We want it controlled. We want to be able to open and shut it. And so... I've gone too long. We've got about 16, 17 minutes uh, before church service, so you're dismissed. Thank you.
was in that story, and it was close to Christmas. She was dating some guy with her, and uh, she's 18 years old. He's in a helicopter. things you've been saying that actually happened. My sister couldn't, she, her sister was heartbroken because he didn't want to, she, he didn't want to listen to anything she had to say, and he was about to die. So he pulled off and pulled through, but, you know, he just changed, you know. I know, it's incredible. It's, it's amazing. It seems like so many just can't even grasp it. Yeah. Oh, I need to cut this thing off. I think I still got it on.